It is Encounter with God time here on The Breakfast Show. We're about to get into our Bible study. And before we do, we listen to what you had to say from your text messages for the first half of the show, as well as giving another clue for our quiz. Lawson's going to bring that to you. All right, next clue for the quiz. What was the name of the wife of Felix? This lady, I'm going to be honest, and I pray that one of you guys don't have this name. She has a really unfortunate name. It's uh, That's the only hint I'm going to give. It's just her name... I don't know. It's not even because it means something bad or it's related to something bad. It's just, it's just an average. Okay. Name. Start this, start this over again. I was getting ready for text messages, but now you have my attention. What was the name of the wife of Felix? 0491-064-669 is the number to call or text if you know the answer to that one. If you do, you will go into the draw to win our Conflict of the Ages Bible study companion set. It's not that the names like, Means something bad. It's just I just don't like it. It's just you just don't like the name. I just don't. Like, I'm just like wow. That's a you terrible would not name. Name your daughter. This. No way. She would get okay. bullied. Zero four nine one zero six four six six nine is the number to call or text. The Bible study companion conflict of the ages box set is what we are giving away <laughs> this week as the draw. So get your answers in zero four nine one zero six four six six. Lawson being namest this morning. Yeah, that's right. I'm sorry. If you've got this name, I'm sorry. It's a very uncommon name. I've never met anyone's named this. I'm sure there is somebody out there that is named this name. Yeah, for sure, because it's a Bible And I'm sure they're a beautiful person. They're amazing, I bet, but I'm sorry. (laughs) All right, let's go to uh, text messages. And we were talking about rockets. We started talking about rockets. Oh, yes. Yes. And I said, why don't they just rebuild the old Saturn V? Mm-hmm. That was like the most beautiful rocket ever built. Mm-hmm. I mean, you got to admit, the Saturn V was, that was amazing, special. Mm. Uh, that text message here from Braden says they can't rebuild the F1 engine, which powered the Saturn V. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have the plans for the engines, but to get the engines to work, they were making modifications to them in the workshop that were not documented. Mm. So they actually have no idea how to rebuild yeah, an F1 right. engine for the Saturn V rocket. So we can't have Saturn Vs ever again. And there you go. Lost in time. Surely they have some Saturn V engines around that they could copy, some leftover ones somewhere. I don't know. But potentially not at the Potentially same time. not. Potentially they got some of the early models that didn't work. Mm-hmm. I don't know. But that's actually a really cool story. Mm-hmm. Um, and, of course, the Saturn V rocket was built by uh, German Nazi ex-SS officers yeah. <laughs> were imported to America and got a free ride, didn't have to go to the Nuremberg trial. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, some fascinating history right there. Uh, then Franco says this, and we've got a couple of we've got a couple of text messages along similar lines here. Mm-hmm. Shouldn't we be looking after this planet? Bef- planet we are on before we start exploring other planets. And this is a very relevant point. Mm-hmm. And I find myself conflicted on this one because there are many people on this planet that are in poverty. At the same time, I am not opposed to the concept of space exploration mm. because as a concept, anything that we do to study nature and our universe is a study of the Word of God. Yeah, totally. And big, Should fast, it be our top priority? Mm. Probably not. A big, fast, powerful rockets yeah. are really cool. Like, that's I think right. that's, that's like... This is this is where I'm so conflicted. It's like, it's like massive rockets. Obviously, massive rockets yeah. at the expense of people's well-being is all right, all right, not all right, the best situation. All right, all right. But big You're rockets are life, also huh? cool. Sad right now. <laughs> 
You said there were some other text messages that were yeah, kind another, of... Yeah, another one along the same line. Or similar lines, similar mm-hmm. lines. Mm-hmm. Um, this one's sort of more along my lines here. It says, I'm all for space exploration, amazing pictures of God's creation. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, it takes huge sums of money from the government and billionaires of the world. They do it for very different reasons. They are looking for a planet to move to while they destroy this world and the population. Pretty satanic, I would say. God has a very different plan. I'm planning on leaving this planet and moving to a different one. Mm-hmm. That's that's my solution to the the destruction that's taking place on this planet. That is definitely part of my plans. Uh-huh. And I'm planning on using space exploration to do so. Yep. I'm also planning on taking as many human beings with me as I possibly can. That's right. Absolutely. Powerful, right. yeah. The, uh, Without, the the boosters we'll be using is holding the hands of angels. Yeah, I'm not going to do it with an F1 engine or with... Uh, what are the, are this other text message back here? What did it say? Um, the, the SLS rocket, mm-hmm. is, which they're using right now, is using the totally awesome shuttle engines. Mm. So that's that's that. Yeah, cool. But we're not going to use those to go to heaven. No, we're not going to use those. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, there are so many advertisements in our media that are offensive. Mm. Thin Lizzy makeup ads are so wrong. Just so many, says Sherry. I've don't really watch TV, and I've never seen a Thin Lizzy ad. Probably mm-hmm. because I'm a dude, and <laughs> these days you only get advertising that. The algorithm says you want to see. That's right. I've never been advertised makeup online. Nope. But if I go onto my sister's profile, it's that's it's, all it's that it is. Yeah. And, and I want to say this about the uh, Thin Lizzy ads, and I assume that Thin Lizzy is advertising to young women who want to be thin. Mm. I'm making that assumption. And I'm going to say this. Our advertising and our advertising standards should promote good health. Mm. it should not promote body acceptance Mm -hmm. because body acceptance can result in very, very poor health. You can be extra thin or you can be extra large and both of those are unhealthy. And as human beings, we just flip from one side to the other. Mm. For a long time before uh, transgenderism came along, we had a problem with bulimia and anorexia Mm. with teenage girls who were... Uh, you know, going through that period of life where they were feeling insecure about their bodies and so forth, and uh, they would try and make themselves thin and they would have this thing in their mind that they were extra large. Now, we didn't give those girls liposuction Mm. because that would have been a bad idea, even though they identified as being extra large. Now, we do give them liposuction. No, I shouldn't say that. We give them uh, sex change because they identified as a different gender. Mm. It's really bizarre. Um, anyway, don't even get me started. But now that transgenderism has wiped that out amongst teenage girls and when they get insecure now they just go to transgenderism instead of anorexia or bulimia, one of the things that has taken over is body acceptance, which means that people who are extra large are like, well, no, I just, I just accept my body as being extra large and I love my body. And that is just as unhealthy. That will kill yeah. you just as badly as anorexia and bulimia will. It is just as lethal. Mm. It is a slower, more miserable death that carries with it health complications through a much longer time period. Mm-hmm. But it's just as lethal. 
Mm. And what we need to be promoting oh, – sorry, you got me started on a bit of a rant here. I got yeah. sidetracked. Uh, but what we need to be promoting is good health. That's regardless right. Regardless of size, regardless of body shape, that has nothing to do with it. Mm. We should never accept an unhealthy body. We should only have only accept the best as far as health goes mm. for our body. And and that's because that's what God compels us to do. That's right. As John says in the – I believe it's in – Second John, he says, I pray that above all, the, your soul prospers and that you are in good health. Yes. Mm. Okay, going back here to... Oh, also, could potentially be a reference to sexualization that happens in ads as well. That's another is issue. terrible. Yep. Mm-hmm. Banning advertising. We are a nation of geniuses. Good news. So this was uh, supporting... Uh, the banning of uh, Australians support the banning of gambling, alcohol, tobacco, junk food for children. Mm-hmm. I think that was. I think that was it. Yeah, I think that was it. Yeah, uh, we're a nation of geniuses. We will discuss the eleven percent another time. So the eleven percent are the percentage of people who actually support gambling advertising. Mm. It's like really what, dude? And gambling advertising is rampant. Uh-huh. Like it's everywhere all the only, time. Only only 11% of Australians support gambling advertising. The, but it's by far, like you watch any sporting event and I would say a good 30 to 40% of the ads are for gambling. Interesting. Yes. Mm. And then uh Raphael says why would you stop advertising fossil fuel when 90% plus are still using it? Mm. It's yeah. Well, I guess the idea was do we find do we want to find out whether Australians actually want to Stop promoting it. Mm. But that was, what, 41%, I think, Yeah, uh, wanted that. Okay, uh, let me go back here and... Tesla fans. <laughs> That's what it was. Then we've got this one says from Sky, great to hear the story from Bruce. Don't know how I would fare accident after accident. I admit I... Have- You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. Okay, great to hear a story from Bruce. Don't know how I would fare accident after accident. I admit I've had a couple of dreams where I was in a lion's den or driving over a cliff. I was happy at the thought I would go home as mm. I was dying. I had peace, not fear. So it's a good thing to have peace and not fear in those kinds of uh, dreams. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, Bruce rolls a car, gets smashed by a drunk driver and nearly dies in a parachute accident. He was he was in the wars there in the early days mm-hmm. um, and... Uh, yeah. All right. Uh, the US having a constitutional convention to change it so they can unite church and state. It won't be too long before this actually happens, and then we will be back in the dark ages in a world full of light. How sad people love the darkness more than the light. Interesting mm-hmm. Interesting uh, comment here by Raphael on the United States having a constitutional convention to change the constitution. And, uh, of course, people have talked about this, you know, a number of different times, and you've got um, some strong movements in that direction in the United States. The Constitution of the United States, of course, is what has preserved freedom in that country for a very, very long time. Uh, a couple of days ago, a very interesting piece came out in the uh, New York Times. A mm-hmm. bunch of lawyers got together and wrote this piece. And some of the statements from it were quite enlightening, uh, they had this to say, and this was sort of like a, a key um, a, a, a key thought right here. They said, the real need is not to reclaim the Constitution, as many would have it, but instead to reclaim America from its Constitution. 
That's uh, a bit scary. <laughs> he says, <laughs> you know, we've been struggling in the Supreme Court um, and when people lose in the Supreme Court, they usually say the justice has got the Constitution wrong, but struggling over the Constitution has proved a dead end. The real need is not to reclaim the Constitution, as many would have it, but instead to reclaim America from its Constitution. So they're actually coming out now and saying that the Constitution is the enemy of America. But it's the Constitution that makes America. Exactly. Yeah. It's made the greatest nation on the world. Yeah. Mm. Yikes. About 150 years ago, there was this um, American lady mm-hmm. who made this statement right here, and she was kind of laughed to scorn for it. She says, our country shall repudiate every principle of its constitution as a Protestant and Republican government. Mm. There's a book called Five Testimonies, page 451. Her name was Ellen White. She actually lived here in the Newcastle area for a long time. She was uh, a remarkable woman for the 1800s who accomplished incredible things, started you know, Australia's biggest breakfast cereal company, started Australia's, started a university right here in Lake Macquarie, started Australia's biggest private hospital, etc., that's, those are big accomplishments for a woman in the 1800s. Mm. Uh, she did those things. But she was an American and she came out to Australia and did all of that in about the space of 10 years too, by the way. Mm. Um, but she also made that statement, which 150 years later does, definitely has a ring of truth to it, doesn't it? Yeah. Certainly has more of a ring of truth these days than what it did back then. Um, anyway, continuing on here, another another text message. Uh, Satan didn't want Bruce to survive, but God has other plans. I'm glad, glad God never makes mistakes. God has blessed you, Bruce. And, you know, you can see that in Bruce's life of the things that he's accomplished. Mm. Oh, and another note here that John Carter is still alive and has a huge worldwide ministry. I knew that his ministry was still going. Didn't know that John Carter was still alive. The guy mm. is just, um, just keeps going. Mm. Uh, we got more here. Okay. Glad to hear the story from Bruce. I don't know how... Oh, I read that one. In answer to the funding spent on space travel, I would say this. NASA gets about or get, gets around 1% or less of the GDP of the United States. Um, something rather high, say, go after the funding military. Okay. Yeah. Reduce, the, okay reduce the military funding to support looking after this world. Yeah, yeah. I think that's that's a valid point right there. And those are our text messages. That was what you had a lot to say this morning. That's really good. We love hearing from our listeners. And another one coming through right now. Uh, Bruce says, I don't think anyone will be leaving this planet to live elsewhere till Jesus comes. His coming is imminent. That's exactly what we were saying earlier. Uh, well, exactly what I was saying earlier. I'm going to leave this planet and go to another planet. Um, and... Laloni has called through to let us know Thin Lizzy is a type of makeup that is similar to foundation to cover blemishes. Mm-hmm. So I think I think the the issue here is that by calling it Thin Lizzy, they are promoting thinness. Mm. Whereas if you're promoting makeup, you should promote makeup, not thinness. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we should promote good health rather than body shape or size. Mm. And a thin body, an extra thin body or an extra large body is never going to be healthful. Mm. That's right. Just, oh, in regards to NASA, I was just, I was just looking up the... It can the, be that the product oh. is thin. Oh. What, what do you mean? Oh, like it's a thin layer of foundation. 
Okay, so we're getting a we're getting a a We're getting women women's education right here. Okay, so it's a thin smear of make. Okay, right. uh, wait, I I don't know, man. I was just looking up NASA th- funding. So in the 1960s, like at its peak, it was receiving 5% of Ooh, the United States GDP. Because yes. it's after the Russians. Cold War. Um, at the moment, it receives zero, 0.03. Wow. No, sorry. 0. 0.3. 0. 0.3. 0. 0.3. So that's around, uh, let's see, six, no, $22 billion. Anyways, we should probably do a Bible study last. Yeah, we should do our Bible study. We're talking about meekness this week. Mm-hmm. It's a subject you never really hear about. Being meek. Nobody ever talks about being meek. Mm. Why does nobody nobody why does nobody talk know, about being especially meek? when it's your favorite thing to talk about ever? Like you always make that point of like meekness is a weakness, you know. I you know, we've talked about meekness before a while. Okay, but it's not my fault this morning. I didn't write the Bible study. <laughs> I didn't schedule it. I didn't put it on the on, on the on the date. But you're stoked that you get to talk about it. Yeah, and I think so because as a kid growing up, it was something I never understood. And now mm. that I do understand, it's like, okay, I want to tell people about this because mm. the Bible talks about meekness. And the only time we ever really talk about meekness is when we talk about either Moses or the Beatitudes. Mm. Yeah. They're really the only places in the Bible that meekness is featured. Mm. Maybe there's a few others. I don't know. Mm. I should look that up. Famously featured, at least. Like, we, yeah. like, I know we always make the joke about, like, Moses saying, I'm the meekest man on earth. Or oh, you read the Beatitudes. I thought God said Blessed that. are the meek. Sorry? I thought God said he was the meekest man on earth. No, well, Moses wrote the book in which it says yeah, he's yeah, the yeah, meekest yeah, yeah, yeah. man on earth. And so people are like, that's that's the joke. It's like, yes, I'm the most humble. I'm the meekest man on the, the whole planet. That's me. Okay, so this is interesting. Meekness is actually in more places than just those two. Mm-hmm. So you're going to find it in... A number of the Psalms, mm-hmm. 22, 25, 37, 45, 76, 147, 149. You're going to find it in Isaiah 11, 29, and 61. You're going to find it in Amos 2, Zephaniah 2, and then the Beatitudes. Mm-hmm. Oh, and then there's the other famous one, Take my yoke upon you, for I am meek and lowly, lowly. in heart. Mm-hmm. And you'll find rest to your souls. And then you've got First Corinthians 4, Second Corinthians 10, Galatians 5, Galatians 6, Ephesians 4, Colossians 3, Timothy 6, 1 Timothy 6, 2 Timothy 2, and Titus 3. There's a, there is more of those than what I thought. That's mm. uh, a total of 29 places in the Bible that meekness is mentioned. Mm. There's only two famous ones, though. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and, and you can kind of understand why, because, you know, when Jesus says, um, I am meek and lowly in heart, it's not very inspiring to the male ego. Let's be honest. Mm. It's not something that our ego just sort of like, yeah, I'm going to go out there and just be meek and lowly in heart. Especially like the the big push culturally to be alpha males and to be above and to, you know, dominate the pack. Like, yeah, we've, we've got to be on top as men in, in regards to our social scenario, whereas this is saying be meek and lowly of heart and to put others first. And I don't necessarily think it's communicating being like sub- completely subservient to others. No. And this is what Sky says. She says meekness these days, uh, I feel, is seen as something to be taken advantage of. Mm. But Jesus, we can't say, is seen as weak. I've circled that part of the study f- 
from uh, Saturday to show my boss. So Sky's obviously somebody who's studying 20 million movement Bible study, mm-hmm. and so she's ahead of us, and she's circled that part. Mm. And no, you can never say that Jesus was taken advantage of. Mm-hmm. He wasn't. In fact, he actively says that everything that happens to him is because he wants it to happen. That's right. Mm. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. We're about to have the last question for our quiz for the day. Lawson, what is it? The final question for the quiz. If we submit ourselves to God and resist the temptations of the devil, what will the devil do? 0491-064-669 is the number to call or text if you know the answer to that one. If you do, you'll go into the draw to win our Bible study companion Conflict of the Ages box set, which is, again, an incredible commentary that goes all the way from before Genesis to after Revelation. Probably some of the best extra-biblical material that you will find anywhere. And again, that number is 0491-064-669. If we submit ourselves to God and resist the temptations of the devil, what will the devil do? All right, Lawson, you accused me earlier of always wanting to talk about meekness. Not always, but I'm just like, you just really like this topic. What I find interesting is that everybody really likes this topic. Really? Yes. So all we do is we jump on air, we mention the word meekness, And I can't stop getting text messages about it. (laughs) Let me read them. They're good. Mm -hmm. Okay. Only the meek get to go to heaven. Meekness is not weak. What actually says weekends. (laughs) (laughs) We know you meant weakness. (laughs) (laughs) Meekness is not weekends. No, no, it's not. Meekness is not weakness. It's strength to actually overcome your opponents, but you overcome and decide to love and help them instead. That's a really good definition. I like that. Got another one here says, Jesus was meek and could have destroyed the world but overcame and loved them and died for the whole world. That's true meekness. Mm. And then another one here says, true meekness is true real strength. Mm. Uh, Then this one says, uh, oh, no, we already read that one. Okay. So, yeah, everybody's jumping in to say their piece about meekness. Now, my definition for meekness, which I've given here on The Breakfast Show a number of times, is a very, very simple definition, and that is power under restraint. Mm. In other words, it's impossible to be meek unless you are powerful. Mm. Only a powerful person can be meek. The Bible talks about how that, you know, he that controls himself is stronger than he that takes a city. Mm. And so we and we see many you know, indications of that in the past where you've got very, very many very, very powerful men. You've got, say, for instance, Alexander the Great. He was not meek mm-hmm. because he never restrained his power. He never restrained himself from anything. And he died at the age of 33 mm. because he'd never restrained himself. He had no self-control. And thousands, if not millions of people, lost their lives simply because the guy had no self-control. Yeah, wow. So maybe meekness we could defin- we could define as being self-control. Mm. Blessed are those that have self-control, for they shall enter the kingdom of heaven. Yeah, well. Blessed are those who keep their power under control, they shall enter the kingdom of heaven. Mm. Def- dictionary definition here says uh, enduring injury with patience and without resentment, mm. which is kind of pretty much the opposite of Every single thing that you see on TV. TV is full of, or the screen, you know, 
Mm-hmm. Nobody watches TV anymore, but on the screen. Media is full of redemptive violence. Yeah, that's right. It's all about redemptive violence. Every TV show you watch, every show that you watch on the screen pretty much has some kind of redemptive violence. Yeah, it's like if someone is violent uh, with no cause, then they're a villain. Yes. And if someone is violent with a cause, then they're they're a hero. hero. Um, But that cause is always in the sense that they've just had violence inflicted upon them or others. And it's like, oh, how am I going to solve the problem of violence? More violence. You don't get those stories like the story of Elisha where, you know, he lived in this small town. It didn't have a wall around it, but it was a small town and the Syrians turn up and there's a lot of Syrians outside the town and it's a small town. It's probably maybe five acres or so at the most. Mm. It might have been smaller than that again and it's surrounded by this massive Syrian army and, you know, his servant goes like, oh, we're dead. Mm. And Elisha's like, no, no, more more people on my side. And his servant's like, what are you on? And uh, he's like, Lord, open his eyes. He opens his eyes and suddenly sees that the whole mountainside is actually covered with an army of angels. And so then God smites the Syrian army blind and Elisha goes at them and he's like, okay, guys, you're all blind. Uh, Let me take you where you need to be. And they follow him. And he leads them into the capital city of Samaria. They get inside the walls. They are now surrounded by the city walls. They're all dead. And the king's like, shall I kill them? Shall I kill them? Let me kill them all. Because they've been at war with Syria, and Syria is so much more powerful than the nation of Israel. And Elisha's like, no, don't don't kill them. Feed them. Mm. And Elisha prays, and suddenly they can all see again, and they're inside the city, and they are terrified. And then the Israelites bring them out food, and they eat the food, and they go home, and they refuse to ever obey the orders of their king or their generals ever again to go and fight the Israelites because, like, nah, they're good guys. Mm. Who won that battle? The Israelites. The Israelites won that battle, convincingly defeated the Syrians Mm -hmm. because if I make my enemy my friend, I have defeated my enemy. Mm. It is that simple. And if only we had so much more of that today than what we are constantly bombarded by with the media, when something is done wrong to you, the only solution is violence. Mm. The only correct solution is violence. That's what the media will tell you every single time. You see great injustice done to somebody, whatever it might be, and then we make a whole movie about how they go out and get redemption from that justice mm-hmm. and then they go on with the rest of their life feeling good because they killed all those guys. Well, actually, you know what they go on with the rest of their life with? Drinking themselves into oblivion trying to drown out the PTSD that they are suffering from. That's the reality. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, and I think of that, that morality is very much bled into the way that, you know, the world interacts particularly like the people who are making these movies hollywood yes and we've seen probably one of the greatest failures of redemptive violence has been you know the war in afghanistan yes like what did it accomplish literally nothing we spent like the war in vietnam three trillion dollars and the world is worse off that's right. Infinitely worse off. Correct. And again, that came as a response to probably one of the greatest, you know, terrorist tragedies that has happened in the West in the 21st century. But it solved nothing. And what if we'd have gone into Taliban? Let's th- let's think about an alternative history for a moment. And the reason we went to 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 Afghanistan is because they were harboring Al Qaeda. Mm-hmm. What if we went to Taliban to the Taliban at that particular time and said, "Look, your country is poor." 
Mm-hmm. We will build roads. We will build infrastructure. We will build hospitals. We will do this, 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 and this. We will invest this many. We will invest $1 trillion into your country. Easy. Right? Yeah. We'll invest a trillion dollars into your country. We'll, we'll turn it into from a developing country into a semi-developed country uh-huh. in the next 20 years. Uh-huh. Just just give us bin Laden. Wow. Yeah. You know. <laughs> it's a different world. It's a different world. Or even just even if we just said just just boot Bin Laden out, mm-hmm. just just get rid of that guy, just extradite him. It's just kick, kick Al Qaeda out of your country. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, don't give him safe haven here, and we will we will feed you. Mm-hmm. Very different world. How is Islam going to react to that? Because you got radical Islam that's like, oh, America is the great white Satan. Mm-hmm. No, America is just the place that came in and 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 created a beautiful country in Afghanistan. Uh, where instead they spent what three trillion dollars? Yep, cost them three times as much to ruin the place and make mm-hmm. everyone just as angry and a whole lot poorer. Yep, than they all already were. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that I tend to think that meekness has a place in our world that we really need to focus on and spend a lot more time in. Oh, so many passages we could look at here this morning. Let's let's actually read Philippians two five to ten. Mm-hmm. Let's let's read this. We need to we need to read this passage here because it's such a perfect example of meekness. So it's Philippians two, verse five to ten. Philippians two five to ten. The Bible says, "You must have the same attitude that Christ had. Though he was God, he did not think equally with God as some." Thing to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died the criminal's death on the cross. Therefore, God elevated him to a place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in, in heaven and on earth and even under the earth. It's the ultimate example of power under control. No one is more powerful or has been more powerful than Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. And Jesus chose to keep that power under control so that he could die for us. Mm. Wow. Ultimate example right there. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Here on The Breakfast Show this morning, it is about to be time for Question of the Day. But before we get to Question of the Day, we've got some answers for our quiz. All right, let's run through our answers. Paul asked Timothy to bring him his cloak and what else? Books and parchments. The secrets of Samson's strength was that he didn't cut his hair. His hair was long and beautiful. What was the name of the god who fell before the Ark of the Covenant? It was Dagon. What was the name of the wife of Felix? Her name was Drusilla. And that's why I said... I think it's a pretty name. I don't know. I think it's kind of unfortunate. I don't like it. I'm sorry to all our Drusillas no, out there. It's a pretty name. Drusilla. Um, and finally, Drusilla. if we submit ourselves oh, to God, resist the temptations of the devil, what will the devil do? He will flee from us. But right now, it is time for... Question of the Day. All right, Lyle, our question of the day today, how about Ezekiel 38 in Russia? Does it follow Daniel's prophecy? That one comes in from Thomas. Okay, so this is one that I've sort of put off for a little while because we've answered a few times, uh, 
and uh, I thought I'd give it a little bit of space before I get back to this one again. But we're running low on our list of questions in the question of the day box, so do send your questions in for question of the day. All right, so this really comes from Ezekiel chapter 38. And if you go over to Ezekiel chapter 38, uh, right there in verse 2, the Bible says, Son of man, this is the King James Version, uh, Son of man, set your face against Gog, the land of Magog, the chief prince of Meshech and Tubal, and prophesy against him. And you would say, well, I don't need to get anything about Russia out of that. Okay, in the American Standard Version and a number of other versions, this is what it says. Son of man, set your face toward Gog, the land of Magog, the prince of Rosh, Meshech and Tubal, and prophesy against him. And what happened was that during the Cold War era when American Christians were trying to be very patriotic and saw Russia as being the great white Satan, they read this particular passage and they've gone, aha, there's, there's Russia right there. It says Rosh, that, that's Russia, right? It's got to be got to be Russia. Well, there's this thing about Bible prophecy where you should not interpret Bible prophecy according to what you read in the newspaper. You should interpret Bible prophecy using biblical principles and then highlight the fact that it is mentioned in the news if it is, not the other way around. That's the first thought. The second thought is that looks like, sounds like, is not a biblical principle of interpretation. So if something looks like something and sounds like something, that's not how you interpret it. Okay, the word Rosh here simply means chief prince. And so the King James Version translates it as chief prince. The American Standard Version translates it as uh, as a noun, as Rosh. And neither way does it indicate anything to do with Russia. Certainly Gog and Magog and Meshach and Tubal and so forth, these are northern nations. These are to the north of uh, of Israel, uh, to the north even of Persia, some of them. And so people are like, well, you know, geographically this is this is what it's all about. But there's something I want you to point out, I want to point out to you. If you head over to the book of Revelation, and we'll go over there very quickly. Let's go to Revelation chapter 20, and let's read about this great war because the Bible talks about this great war that takes place where Gog and Magog go up against Jerusalem. The Bible says in Revelation 20, verse 7, when the thousand years are expired, Satan will be led out of his prison and go out to deceive the nations which are in the four quarters of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them together to battle the number of whom is as the sand of the sea. So there you go. There's Gog and Magog going to war. They went up on the surface of the earth and surrounded the camp of the saints and the beloved city. That's the new Jerusalem. And fire came down from God out of heaven and devoured them. And so when we're reading about this, what we find is that you've got a puzzling chapter in Ezekiel that is then explained by revelation. And this is how the Bible works. You often find puzzling passages that are explained somewhere else. And so you can go with the popular evangelical view of what uh, Gog and Magog stand for, or you can go with what the Bible says Gog and Magog stand for. And here what the Bible says Gog and Magog stand for is a battle between the righteous and the wicked at the end of the 1,000 years. Mm. at the end of the millennium. And so I don't know about you, but I would rather go with the Bible's interpretation, with the book of Revelation's interpretation, with what John wrote about Ezekiel 38, rather than what some evangelical in America who's trying to be patriotic against you know, President Putin says mm. about Ezekiel chapter 38. Don't forget to talk faith, to live faith, to act faith, and you will grow strong in Jesus Christ.
Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.